LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for his glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up, and welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh King, and we are recording in central Arkansas as well as uh, Chattanooga and uh, Bradenton, Florida, with my good friends Micah and Sam. How are you guys this morning? And I'm doing great. How about you? Yeah. How are you guys? I'm good. I'm good. I guess. It's we'll Monday after Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it's raining here and it's in Chattanooga. Here too. Yeah. Any rain down in Bradenton? No. No, it's no. it's kind of nice today. Sorry. Is it nice? <laughs> hey, did you guys watch or have you cared at all about the Alliance of American Football? I watched a little bit of it. One of my interns tried out for one of the teams, so I've been paying attention to it. We we've kind of start we've just nerded out. Like several of the young guys here in our church have nerded out on it, knowing that, you know, it's semi-pro football. It's just kind of fun thing to just because, you know, we all have our allegiances to other teams and history and championships. This is just fresh, just just for the fun of it. And uh, it's kind of cool. Some of the football was really bad. Some of the football was decent. So, I don't know. That's really not Hey, listen, game. the thing that mattered to me was that the head ball coach was roaming the sidelines in Orlando. And they were really one of the few teams this weekend for the AF that looked like they knew how to play offense. So That's true. That is true. Um. Yeah, Orlando looked good. Atlanta Go Gators, looked by like the way. Trash. San Diego looked like trash. Yeah. Um. But anyways, I'm kind of nerding out on it. I like it. <laughs> so. Did you see that their ratings on Saturday were higher than the NBA? No. Really. Their market share. Their market share was higher than the NBA. Yeah, according to TV ratings. The United States loves them some football. Boy, it's they just, do, man. Well, the, and the AAF has got to get ahead this year because the XFL starts next year. So Yeah, and they have a they totally gotta, different approach. Yeah, well, but they're also doing – the one way they're similar is they're hiring a lot of big names to help lead mm-hmm. their franchises, as in Bob Stoops from your area of the world. Which is not going to make me sign on to watch that because I'm a Texas kind of guy. So uh, do you guys know how much I care about this? <laughs> as much as I care about baseball. <laughs> it is almost baseball season, Sam. Yes, Yes. Pitchers and catchers report next week. Yes. By the time this airs, pitchers and catchers will have already reported. Glory. Yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. Who's close to you, Sam? Who does spring training close to you in um, Bradenton? Pirates. Are in the Pirates Bradenton. are in Bradenton. And okay. the Orioles yeah. are down in Sarasota. And nice. then the Rays are in Port Charlotte. And you've got teams. There's other teams that we don't mention, like in St. Pete and things like that. I've been to, I've been to one spring training game in Lakeland. I watched the uh, the Lakeland Tigers play the Braves. I mean, not the uh, Lakeland Tigers, but I watched the Tigers and Braves play each other in Lakeland during spring training one year. But I've I've spent spring training a couple of times out in Arizona. I love Arizona spring training. Mm. Isn't that where the Rangers go? They go out there to Arizona? Uh, the Rangers, yeah, because the Rangers and Royals yeah. share. Uh, they share a facility. I've been out there and watched. I've been to the facility multiple times. Cool. Cool. Well, I'm excited for all y'all. 
baseball, the only sport where the practice is just as fun as the game, which is <laughs> to say not. So. Not true, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, so I have a topic for you guys, and I'm curious what you think about this. I saw this for the first time as a student pastor down at First Baptist Church of Grapevine in Texas. And just to kind of set it up, in Grapevine, it's, you know, we were the tiny church, and we ran about 800, 900. You've got in your area, like Gateway Church, which is famous for Carrie Job. Um, that's what the world knows as Gateway. Um, very huge, huge church. You've got the village just north of us. And then there was another church south of us called 121. Another one to the side, uh, to the east, would be Fellowship Church. All of these are within, and that's Ed Young Jr. So all of these are very, very close. And what I started to notice is what I call supplementing. So there would be people who would literally, they liked our student ministry, which was, you know, that's flattering to me. They would bring the teenagers to us. Then they would drop their kids off over at Fellowship while um, the mom and dad went to a Bible study at the village. And this wasn't just uh, just on Wednesdays. They did this sort of kind of supplemental church Frankenstein thing um, on Sundays as well, just depending on the series, depending on where, what they were feeling like. You know, I'm going to go to this one. They almost treated like those churches, the four of us, five of us, as, I don't know, sort of as like one church, multiple places. The problem with that, or at least the initial question I have for that is, what should we do as leaders about it, speaking to it? How do you bring that up even? How do you even address this? Um, one of the big initial things I see in this is like Fellowship Church, First Baptist Church of Grapevine, and uh, what was it, Gateway? I mean, theologically, there's a lot of differences in us, um, just a lot. And and so it almost makes it nothing about theology or what you believe, those sort of things. It makes it about something else. Have you guys experienced this where you are or anywhere? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I've experienced it at every church uh, d- to different degrees. But it's 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 been there. It's driven largely by the consumeristic mentality of people. Um, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go get this from over here and go get what I like from this church over here. Um, personally, it's obviously detrimental. I think more than it is helpful. Um, but it is more the min- minority. Um, it is common, but it is not um, pervasive. Does that make mm. sense? Like there are yeah. people that do this. But it's just, it's just not something you see. Um, it's not like half your church is going to be doing this. What about you, Micah? Do you see it? Yeah, I definitely see it. I agree with Sam that it's common but not pervasive. Um, I do think it's likely to become increasingly common. Um, and I think one of the things Sam said that leads to that is he said it's sort of part of a consumeristic mentality, which I think is correct. But that means that you're likely not be going to be able to wholesale change it, right? Because this is a cultural phenomenon. More than likely, you're going to have to address it in sort of individual instances as you have opportunity. Now, I don't think that means you don't teach about it, that sort of thing. I mean, we're getting ready to begin uh, three weeks from yesterday. We start a new ecclesiology series at Brainerd. We call it I Love My Church, and it'll be, you know, seven or eight weeks on what is the church, what's church membership, that sort of thing. And so we'll teach through it. But I'm not... You know, I'm not convinced that just teaching a series once every a year or two is going to fix that sort of problem. I think you're going to have to have personal discipleship. I think it's going to happen more on a relational level than it will even mm-hmm. on a corporate level. Yeah, I think that's true. I think, do, do you, you know, another way that I've seen this flesh out, and a lot of churches complain about this, is 
during the VBS season, Vacation Bible School, where you'll have these families, a lot of them. I mean, they even plan this together. You know, uh, let's drop all the kids off at this VBS this week. We'll go to that VBS the next week, the next VBS, which it really just kind of bugs them when we all use the same curriculum because then, you know, that, that bores their kids. But, you know, they're, they're supplementing. Uh, they're using the church in a way that it's not supposed to be used, I think. Um, of course, you know, we're in this every day. We're passionate about ecclesiology. We're passionate about what we do. So maybe it does bug me more, but I think a lot of our listeners are probably bugged by it as well and kind of wondering, what is it that we're supposed to do about it, if anything? And so that's kind of what I was going to ask you guys is, how have you addressed it, if you've addressed it at all? And if not, what what would be a strategy to address it? We address it with high expectations. So when I look at our assimilation rates of people that come through our Discover class, which is our new members class, it's something like 90 to 95% of people that go through our class and sign off on our covenant. We don't, it's not like we're making people sign anything in pen or in blood, but we basically say you're, you're going to, you know, if you're a member, you need to submit to this covenant that we have. So we, we address this problem through high expectations. And really those that do this um, end up being a little more marginalized is the wrong word because that's too strong. But they're not really part of the church. I mean, they they come, they drop their kids off. It happens on Wednesday nights that a lot of times they're not going to another church. They're just going to the grocery store or whatever it is. And, you know, we're we're glad to serve their children. We're, we're glad to help them in whatever way we can. But I'm just not that worried about them um, because the people that we're drawing in and the people that are, you know, joining our church are the ones that are willing to be part of this high expectation culture that we've built. So if you're a low expectation person coming into a high expectation culture, a lot of times what we find is people just don't stick around for that long. Um, They're just there to kind of use the system or even a few of them perhaps even abuse the system. Um, But, you know, we just, I just, I really don't give it much thought. I really don't worry about it that much. I just focus on the people that are there and fully committed and um, it's not a discipline. It's not a church discipline issue because they're not they're not members. If they were members, yeah. that would be a different thing. So um, we just try to serve them as best we can. We try to you know be there for them, but we're not. I'm not really that worried about it. I could tell you one situation in which this became sort of a problem was the, uh, and we've talked about this before online, where there was a our Wednesday night children's ministry when I was in Texas was huge, just way disproportionately larger than our church average. And I got there and I'm like, where are all these people going? So we started to look and it was a local mega church that was scheduling their uh, adult small group times during our children's ministry time because they, they told them, go drop your kids off over at that church. They'll have a, we were doing a WANA at the time. They'll have a WANA and then you go to your small group. And so it was disproportionately large. Well, the problem with that for our church was uh, the manpower, we couldn't find enough volunteers just to facilitate this. That that was just the number one big issue. And then also the resources. So any little program like that, particularly like an Iwana that has badges and stickers and books and just all of the stuff that goes along with the program for our church, we were that was free. It was a free program to the participant, but to us it was costing quite a bit of money. And yeah. uh, yeah, if, was, if that was going on, I'd call the pastor, who, whoever was telling people to do that, and I would just call him out. I'd say, you're a leech. You are a mm-hmm. spiritual leech, and you need, <laughs> you need to stop. 
<laughs> well, what we did instead uh, was we just started, we let people know that if you are a member of this church or not a member of other places, um, it's free. If you are a member of another church, then, you know, there was a fee. And we just made it just right at cost fee. Well, the funny thing was that at cost fee in the minds of those people was still cheaper than paying for a babysitter. So they went ahead and kept paying for it. Then our final move, which really killed the whole thing, was it was an hour and a half long program. We squeezed it down to an hour, which is not enough time to drop off your kid, get to your small group, have your dinner, meaningful you know, conversation, and then get back. So that the day we moved to an hour, the attendance of the thing just cut by like two thirds. It just <laughs> nearly died, um, which was fine because then we were actually ministering to our kids and to prospective kids of course want those children to hear the gospel as well i'm not against that at all it's just the burden that was on our church um was something that was disproportionate so yeah i don't i don't know of too many cases like that yeah that that's a unique case and i would love to hear from our listeners if you've ever had another church like using in a bad way using your church like the way Josh explains, that's just crazy. <laughs> I don't think this I've ever heard of a church that uses a church quite that way, Josh. That is they were literally brazen. articulating. Brazen. They were articulating. That is brazen. Yeah, it became a thing. Yeah. I don't. I hey, just, pastors, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just wrong. On and I don't. don't I do honestly that. don't think that they. I don't think they thought malice. They didn't think meanly. They just thought opportunistically. Like, okay, yeah, I mean, they're doing a program, and they want lots of kids, so here's kids. No, 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 no. Not opportunistic. Lazy. Yeah. Lazy. Could have been. That's that's a pastor who's – whoever was directing people to do that doesn't deserve to be a pastor. Well, the poor church only ran 16,000 on the weekend. So it's – I know. I I mean, they barely had the resources to do it. So I I felt bad for them. I felt bad for them. Do you um, (laughs) – How do you? How does the conversation go if you do chat with the person? And I and I and I agree with you, Sam. They're not joining. That's what I'm noticing is they're not joining either of the churches. If they're just kind of like, they don't have a commitment. How do you have that conversation with the particular individual? Uh, we don't. I mean, here's the thing: the ones that we have a, kind of a continual problem with, like just dropping their kids off. Mm-hmm. We, we approach it if it's children. You know, students is a little different thing, but you know, middle school, high school, but. Um, if it's children, we, we address it from a safety issue. We're just like, you you don't need to just drop your kids off and then be off-site for the next hour, hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it's not it's not healthy for your children. Um, and you know, not, not that we have an unsafe church, but if they were to fall and break their arm or something, I mean, we can't yeah, get we've got their, their yeah. cell phone, but, you know, it's like you need to be on-site with your kids. Um, so the handful of people, I mean, I'm talking, I don't know how many times about this conversation, two, three times in three, four years. Um, it's just, it's from a child safety perspective. It's like, you, you can't be doing this. You, you know, you really need to be on site if you're bringing your children every week. Now for the family that may come sporadically, you know, drop their kid off once every quarter or something. I mean, we're, we're just really, we're not really trying to police it. It's, it's, it's only those that are. You know, I'm going to start doing my grocery shopping, mm-hmm. you know, on Wednesday nights when I drop my kid off. And, and we, we find out who those those people are, and, and, and we'll, we'll address it. Yeah. Um, Micah, do you see this as – I've noticed this, the larger the church, the more that this happens, like because of the more opportunities or programs that happen. Have you seen that as well at Brainerd? Yeah, I mean, I, so I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you guys thinking about it. On Wednesday nights, 
we have kids ministry, we have student ministry, and we have adult Bible studies. But our adult Bible studies are much smaller. And Wednesday nights are not a huge deal at Brainerd in comparison to probably most churches. I think we probably have far less people here on Wednesday nights than most churches do comparatively. Uh, but I would imagine of our student ministry, for instance, I bet at least half of them are kids who are dropped off and then parents go do other things. Our kids' ministry is probably close to the same. Probably half of them are, mm-hmm. I'd guess, a quarter to half of them or someone's dropped them off and parents come back and pick them up at the end of the night. And I've never really thought about it, to be honest, or been worried about it. In my mind, you know, here's, here's in my estimation, I have three things that I want everybody to be committed to. I want them to come to worship regularly. I want them to go to a life group. And I want them to be involved in some ministry. So everything outside of that is gravy. You know, like Wednesday night Bible studies and Wednesday night kids ministry, student ministry, we offer it. But I'm not concerned with whether or not we have lots of people come or somebody comes and drops off their kids or doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of thing. Um, I do know we have a few. I, I can think of a family or two, a few families that don't come on Sunday mornings but do bring their kids on Wednesday nights and they go to a different church on Sunday mornings. But that's not because they're trying to – well, it's because they got mad at me at some point. <laughs> and so they don't want to come hear me preach, but they want to come, let their kids come be with their friends on Wednesday nights. So They love the church. They just hate the pastor. I mean, yeah, well, there's yeah. a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. And, and frankly, the, you're, you're, for those of us, for those of our listeners that are out there, everyone's probably encountered that where I go to my group and then I go home, you know, even on a Sunday right. morning because yeah, I, don't, that's right. I don't like the guy in the pulpit. Right. Um, and, and, and that's a I don't know common phenomenon. I don't know of a church where that doesn't happen. Frankly. It happens yeah. everywhere. It's happened yeah. at every church that I've been a part of. And, and, and frankly, it's, it's the same person. Every mm-hmm. time I've been at a different church or I've, you know, seen a different case, it's basically the same type of person. Yeah, is what I'm saying. And yeah, I, just, I've seen... I just don't worry about it. I just, it, it, I have way too little time to worry about the two or three people that are, you know, basically being malcontents. And unless mm-hmm. they are causing dissension in the body, then it right. becomes a church discipline issue. Right. What if just, it's the li- just, what if it's the small group leader? Oh yeah, we don't. Like I can that. tell you about that. We had that when I got here, yeah. and it and it had nothing to do with the pastor. It, they he didn't. It wasn't that he and his group didn't like me. They had some other objections. Um, well, I mean, previous frankly, decisions. no, frankly, they didn't like the fact that women in the worship team wore pants, and so they. Uh, it was he and his entire life group just did not come to worship. They would come Whoa. for life group, the whole and group. they basically created their own little church. So we encouraged them to have their own little church. Right. And, uh, Fund your own little church. That's what happened. So I can think of another situation. And maybe I'm just – it's Monday, and it's rainy, and I'm contentious. Um, so maybe I'm just kind of like <laughs> – Josh, you're kind of cranky sometimes anyway. So that's okay. You're, you're sort of a contrarian. <laughs> I mean, you don't use Apple products. You don't like baseball. Hey, hey now. No. Now, I'm all about the Google stuff. The I Google. know you are. No, no. See, I think the great, the best marriage in heaven is when you take Google products and put them on your Apple phone, and then you have the best oh. thing in all the world. Oh, yeah. I'm not yes. quite sure about that. Yes. So, I used to use – anyway, we'll talk about that yeah, later. Yeah, we'll talk – that'll be a whole other episode. But here's my deal. Um, I can think of a couple of other situations because I think it all kind of fleshes together. Here's another scenario. Uh, and I think they all have different approaches. And I do think that if you think through it, it helps a little bit. For instance, my wife struggles with this sometimes. She will do these events for women, and they're huge, and they're just very well attended. But she struggles with we've, – we've run into the situation where either our church members – like so Jackie had an event one time, and it sold out like in a week. We, we, and we moved it three times and killed the dinner off so that we could facilitate this thing. We just we did everything we could to try to um to fit as many people in there. 
But because it sold out so fast, there were some of our members who were not able to go, and there were some of their, you know, their their lost coworkers, their 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 unchurched or far from God kind of coworkers or sisters or, or moms that they ended up not being able to bring. One of her struggles was the vast majority of the women were attending another church, and it just mm-hmm. they just kind of and so she was like, how do I deal? with that it's not like a we're anti the other church we don't want to minister to the other church it's just like that burden create pushes out people that maybe we are more interested in uh reaching so we've come up with different scenarios we what we've had to do with her events is or their events the, the women's ministry events is to say there's like a week of members only um, can purchase, you know, tickets, and then then we open it up to the general public, and so that we have to build in different um, scenarios for that to happen. We do discounted rates for members, and then trying to like you know supplement that or trying to overcome that barrier. But you know, it's not like the free market where we can price out people. You you don't raise the price based on demand. I mean, that would be silly. So you know, some of those struggles. Have y'all ever faced anything like that or even struggled with those kind of things? Like maybe VBS, there's just so many kids that are going to other churches, but you don't have enough workers to facilitate them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's a constant, particularly in children's ministry, it's a constant struggle. Yeah, I would say um, another time when this sort of thing comes into play is at Christmas time, like with events that you do, you know, events that you do at the Christmas. One of the things I've noticed about a lot of church events is we talk about them as outreach events, but the truth of the matter is they're really just for members of other churches to gather in your church, and then you yeah. feel good about it because you got a lot of people there. Right. So one of the things I've tried to do over the past few years is start evaluating who's in the room. If we're going to consider this to be an outreach event, and it's packed, but it's all packed with just members of other churches who maybe don't have the resources ours do, I mean, on the one hand, that's nice to be able to provide that to other churches, but if we're trying to use this as an opportunity to reach other people, then I'll, I mean, I'll, we'll, we'll cancel a well-attended event in the future and replace it with something different so that it's not just a gathering place for other believers from other churches mm-hmm. and instead is, is, in fact, something where we're actually engaging the community with the gospel. And I think that really is at the, the heart of what's irritating about this to me. It's Our whole vibe is to try to reach those who are far from God. Try to go after that. And when you have people being consumeristic about our churches and supplementing the churches, uh, another scenario that I just recently ran into was um, a young woman is, you know, kind of publicly decided she was no longer going to be a part of our church. She went down the road to another church, and she became a part of that church. I like that other church a lot and like the ministers over there a lot. However, she didn't really find a small group in that church that she really kind of connected with so she started to come back to small group here but attend worship over there and i think that sort of public stance what you're doing is you're just kind of diverting a lot of energy and time maybe not a lot like we said this isn't a big deal but um how do we deal with that as ministers pay attention so what we did in that particular situation was the minister over um over her age department uh actually just went and sat down with the minister over at that church, and I said, go down and sit down with them and say this, ask them this, how can we find a small group in which she connects with over at your place so that she actually does find community? She finds and gets what she needs um, in their church because that's the choice that she has made. Let's work with them to plug her better into their fellowship because 
it's as detrimental to the other church. Detrimental is a big word. It's as leachy to the other church as it is to us. And so if you work together, I think there's some benefits as well. Yeah. I, sorry, I, I go like ahead. I what you did there. I mean, I, you know, could you, can you handle everyone in that way? Probably not. But in, in the individual cases where you can work with another church to find a place, um, yeah, I, I mean, that's just being good good kingdom-minded ambassador of Christ. I mean, I, I think that that's what most churches should do. Um, frankly, though, a lot of churches are just playing the numbers games, and right. you know, and anything that pumps yeah. the numbers is good. That's they like that. So, and I'm not at all talking about like the bus kids coming in. You know, those kind of their families aren't connected. They're, yeah, that's that's ministry. That's evangelism. That's good. Um, sometimes. Those stories are great. Um, yeah, we, we do. Get... We actually do a van ministry with right. That's people good. who are, That's not who what are I'm homeless talking about. and don't don't have a, a way to get to church. Yeah, thanks for the clarity there. We're, we're certainly not talking about going and getting people who have no way to get to your church. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about those who should know better and mm-hmm. do better, um, certainly. But I think anytime you have an opportunity to help a person grow, help a person get connected, um, I think we need to take the posture of you know, hey, these are people that are likely not as spiritually mature as they need to be, and we need to help them. We need to serve them. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think that's a better posture than, you know, going on the attack and assuming that sure, they're just of course not. trying to yeah. take advantage of you, even yeah. though some of them may be. I mean, I, I, I'd much rather try to have a positive bent to dealing with people like that because sometimes they have big mouths or um, they like to vent on Facebook and things like sure. that. Sure. up ends up being more of a headache for you, <laughs> you know, um, after, after talking with them. So, um, yeah, I tend to, I tend to, and I only, personally, I only deal with the most egregious cases. I really try not to worry about others that are, you know, not as, as big a deal. Yeah. What were you going to say about that, Micah? Well, I was just going to say, I, I just, I mean, I think you dealt with it in a really, really wise fashion. I just don't see a ton of it. So I don't really worry about it that much or think about it, to be honest with you. And I think part of it, maybe this is a flaw in my mind. I'm a little bit like Sam here. I just don't worry about it that much on the whole because um, I just don't know that, that we can create wholesale change. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. I think Sam, uh, Josh, your, your perspective was the right one. Take it on a case-by-case basis. Individually, when you see it, meet with them and find a solution that's helpful rather than just say, hey, you're not welcome to come to our church. You know, right. helping try and serve them. But I do think this is something we are going to continue to see. It's kind of like the people who used to come to church four times a week who come to church, I mean, four times a month who now come to church twice a month. Right. And we can preach about it. We can try and encourage them to. I'm just not so sure we're going to see wholesale change in this regard. Our culture is increasingly consumeristic. Yep. And... Um, and while we think it's unwise and unhelpful, it's not exactly like we can ex- immediately point to a text and say, this is sin for sure. you to do this, for you to go to worship at one place and have life group at another place. Um, I think I can make a strong biblical case for why it's not wise, mm-hmm. but it's going to be, I, I think it's just going to be one of those things we, one, have to sort of live with to some degree. We have to recognize it's a reality. Two, we can take it on a case-by-case basis and, on, you know, at a personal level, try and work through it. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not super worried about it. I think what you pointed out is just teaching. I, my, you know, when it's large events like women's ministry, VBS, those sort of things, I think that there is a stewardship issue. So you make some changes. You're not going to cut it all out, but you make some changes that may um, deter it. And then on the case-by-case issue, my point really is for the individual or the family or like the, 
you know, I even see this. They're so spiritual and they're so minded, like they're well churched. They don't realize that what they're doing is teaching their kids consumerism when they take them over to that. And so trying to point that out, like you're actually harming what you think you're helping. Yeah, no, I, so, uh, I actually think that's a really good point, Josh. The one place where I have seen this where I do think we really need to push back, like the the immature believers who are just cultural more than they are followers of Jesus, Right. That's that doesn't scare me that much. I just recognize it's a maturity issue. We, we need to work through it slowly. The, what, what I would address and what I have addressed are those who sort of um, believe themselves to be very mature. Mm-hmm. And um, I've seen this regularly with sort of they, they view themselves as sort of super mature Christians and they land not just picking and choosing between ministries, but landing in a different church every six months to, to a year mm-hmm. because, well, we were in this church because it was great, but then, oh my gosh, we found out that they believe in post-tribulational return of Christ or something like that. We got to go somewhere else where they actually teach the Bible. Yeah. And uh, part of maturity, part of biblical maturity is being willing, uh, particularly on secondary and, and tertiary issues, to be able to relate together and love each other and work well together, even if we don't always agree. And yeah. um, you know what I mean? And so that's where, I don't get that worked up about sort of cultural Christians and immature believers grappling with this stuff, I get really worked up about the people who perceive themselves to be wise and mature who behave in this sort of way. And I'll go after that all day, every day. And the way they'll say things, I've actually heard them say things along the lines of, well, we really love the uh, community-focused missional engagement of this one. Then we love the Christ-centered worship of this one. It's not the... You know, oh, well, these people have donuts and they have lights. That's never the <laughs> the ones that I run into. It's like this. Yeah, I mean, I get that, but there's no perfect church, and you need to plug in and serve and do your right. deal. This isn't really about you finding the what you perceive to be the perfect church. It's almost to a point where I want to say, hey, bro, uh, go plant a church uh, because apparently you have in mind the very perfect church. So go ahead and plant that, and I think we'll help the whole kingdom out. On that what front. what what exacerbates this is the way that and, and this is more positive than a negative um, in terms of technology, but you've got podcasts and abilities to, to kind of peer into these mm-hmm. churches nationwide. Yeah, That's so right. you can go yeah. look at the, the what, what many perceive to be the best churches and completely get an idea of okay, this is what's happening there. The, you've got live feeds, you've got archives of videos, and and. and but if you were to dig into those churches, you might find that some of them have the exact same issues as the church that exactly back home that, that you have a problem issues, about. Yeah. You just aren't able to see that because all mm-hmm. that you're seeing is the veneer from, you know, 1,000 miles away. Right. Um, so it is, it, it, and granted, I'm a big, big proponent of using technology. We're, we're, doing, we're doing more of that at West Brainerd, and I do it with, you know, my businesses on the side. So I love we're, that. We're doing it right now. <laughs> Micah, your gain is up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was scary. no. I just I just got my mouth really close to the microphone. Is what happened. Yeah. We're doing it right now. But that, but no, I'm I'm agreeing with you, Sam. I'm just I think that's the point, right? Technology. Like, I think the truth is everybody who listens to this podcast probably thinks our churches are healthier than they actually are, right? Like. All of us lead churches that are a little bit messier than they appear to be from the outside. Oh, absolutely. Right. If you were to come to my church, granted, I love my church, and we're in a good place, but I guarantee you the veneer that is out there publicly, whether it be our social media feed, whether it be my sermons, which, you know, I'm no one, I'm not the world's greatest preacher, but you're going to get a better perception of who we really are than what right. is true on the inside. You come, you come and dig into our church— and be a part of our body, and 
you know, serve and be a faithful leader, you're going to find an underbelly. You're going to find dirt. You're going to yeah. find sin just like every other place. Okay. And that's the case of all of these churches that you think have it all figured out. Um, if you were to go there, you'd, you'd find an under, underbelly there too. Yeah. So, but here's the, I think you've, this is exactly the point, Sam, you've nailed it. What you just described is also true of my marriage and y'all's marriage, right? Mm-hmm. And okay. this is what love and fidelity looks like, that in the midst of the messiness, we love each other and we're committed to each other. And I would argue that covenantal relationship in the church life is very much sort of similar to marriage. I mean, for better, yeah. for worse, rich or poor. And uh, I mean, I, I, okay, well, we can, we can disagree on the till death do us part thing. I get all that. But, and I'm not trying to say it's a, it's a one-to-one ratio or, or, or relationship. I'm trying to say it's similar. And maturity looks like that. We're in the middle of the mess, but that's okay. We love each other, and we're going to work together in the mess. And, um, because you're right. If people come to our churches, it's going to be messier than they realized. And then what inevitably happens when we have new leaders who rotate into leadership roles in our church after about five or six months, they come. I had one of them this past week who said, Mike, I had no idea the underbelly of the church was so frustrating oh, yeah. at times. Mm-hmm. Well, it is. I mean, that's what makes it, you know, that's what makes church leadership tough is you, I mean, because as I tell our staff, look, we don't have people lining up at our doors to come sit in our offices and tell us how great their lives are. <laughs> right? I mean, they line up at our doors. In fact, as soon as I hang up with this, I've got, a, I've got an appointment with someone who's yeah. struggling, and I'm going to sit down, and we're going to talk through the difficulty in their lives. We spend the majority of our times dealing with broken people in the middle of their pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say, you know, kind of closing remarks here, one of the, the benefits is to work together with the other churches. I have seen this cut down quite a bit. If I publicly uh, – if it's publicly known, I'm friends with the other pastors. And we've gotten to situations where there's a person trying to play two churches against one another, um, not here, but down in Texas, or they're doing this kind of consumeristic drive. And I'll say, you know, I was talking to Rick or whoever, you know, the, the other guy down the road, and we were talking kind of about, like, have you plugged into a small group yet? You joined that church, right? And it just kind of, like, says you need to be a part of one of the other things. In a small town, one of the things we did was all of the little churches in the area, we all planned our VBS the same week. And we helped one another promote, but we all did it the same week. All of our attendance went down, um, but it was a lot more meaningful. Um, the, mm-hmm. You just couldn't bounce because everybody had it the same week, the same time. But you reached out to your friends and those sort of things. So I'm not saying that you got to do that, and I'm saying some people won't. I mean, the passing of the VBS supplies is awesome. But, um, you know, just work together with the other churches, and I think that we can start to uh, do away with some of this and then also recognize that, like Micah said, some of it's just an immaturity thing, and that's they'll grow out of it. So that's all the time we have for today. We do want to uh, mention Making Disciples podcast. It's co- co-hosted by Robbie Gallaty and Chris Swain. They're part of our Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network family. And they've recently talked about some of the cool things like developing a discipleship pathway, discipling your family, etc. Um, great, great resource. We're big fans of Robbie and and those guys over there at that podcast. So if you haven't listened to that, maybe this is also the one of the ones that you could suggest to the people who attend your church because it's not just kind of like leadership stuff like we talk about, um, just full, robust sort of dialogue. Thanks for listening so much. We hope that you do rate and review us on iTunes because that helps us out tremendously. Even though it's an Apple product, it helps because they cornered the market. But thanks for Yes, that. they and, have. And we'll listen to you next. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.
EST is proud to be a part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network.